And we're just so thankful. Let's welcome our online audience. Those are with us today. We're excited to have you guys with us. Hey, if you have a Bible, grab that Bible. I told you last week, bring your Bible to church. And I heard somebody say, well, it's a little dark in the room. Well, do what I do when I'm in here praying by myself. I just use a flashlight, you know, whatever it takes. But uh, even if you have to pull out your iPhone, but just have the Bible, you know, it just, it's, uh, it's a big, it's a big thing for me just to have that with us. And if you want, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Last week, I read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This week, I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy 11, and it's really um, saying the same thing as Deuteronomy chapter 6, but I just want to read it to you directly um, from my Bible, actually, today, and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 says this. This is what it says. I'm going to read several verses. I'm going to read verse 8 through 20, and then 22 and 23, all right? So let's listen up. Keep every command that I'm giving you today, this is God speaking, so that you may have the strength to cross into and possess the land that you are to inherit. Listen to me, every one of you. God has something he's given you. He has given you a promise, and to to step into those promises, we need to stay committed to what God has called us to. And so that you may live long in the land, the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. What God's saying here is we're leaving the old and entering into the new, right? From which you have come where you sowed seed and irrigated by hand as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are entering into possess is a land of mountains and valleys watered by rain from the sky is a land your God cares for. He is always watching over it from the beginning of the end, from the beginning to the end of the year. And listen, if you carefully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship him with all your heart and soul, I will provide rain for your land in the proper time, the autumn and spring rains, and you will harvest new grain, new wine, fresh oil. I will provide grass in your fields for your livestock. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you are not enticed to turn aside, serve and bow and worship to other gods. Then God's anger will burn against you. He will shut the sky and there will be no rain. The land will not yield its produce and you will perish quickly from the good land the Lord is giving you. So we see here the Lord is giving some promises to the people of Israel, but he's also saying, hey, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, there are consequences for not doing that. And I believe that's even what the Lord is speaking to us today. But I want you to look here at verse 18 that begins to tie in directly to what he said in Deuteronomy chapter six. Imprint these words of mine on your hearts and mind, bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Teach them. Everybody say teach. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. And then verse 22. For if you carefully, everybody say carefully. For if you carefully obey every one of these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and remain faithful to him, the Lord will drive out the nations before you. And I believe that's what the Lord is saying. And you will drive out nations greater and stronger than you are. What's God saying is if we listen to his word, and if we do his word, and we imprint it in our family, and we imprint it in our hearts, 
The Lord is going before us and he is making a way. And I believe that's what he's doing right now at Destiny Church. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you that your word is faithful and we thank you that you are speaking to us through your word. And I ask you to speak in this room today. Remove any distraction. Open all of our ears and our hearts and let us respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. So last week we kicked off a series and I posed a question to you all that I would like to uh, ask you again. I'm going to recap a little bit from last week to get us to where I want to go this week. But last week I asked you, how do we, in the midst of everyday life, our jobs, our extracurricular activities, our hobbies, our family agenda, how do we live successfully, but how do we successfully cultivate a life or how do we build a life that pleases God and leaves a legacy for generations to come? I guess what we could say is, how do we find balance between what we have to do in life and what God is asking us in building our families? How do we do this? Another question I asked you guys last week, and I really want you to think about it today, think about it throughout this series. I want you to really even discuss this in your homes. Are you happy? Are you content? Are you at peace with where your family is spiritually? Are you happy and content? Are you confident this morning that your entire family is where they need to be? Are you confident that your family loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? I think that's a question we need to look at. Last week I told you that I believe strong biblical families as we know them today are nearing extinction. And if we as churches and as families don't raise the bar and do something about it, I believe that the biblical family, legacy families as we know them today, and the church as we know it today, I want you to hear me, I believe if we don't step up in our homes and raise the spiritual bar, I believe the church as we know it will cease to exist within the next 20 years, and that's not a positive statement. We can't just continue to come to church for an hour a week and expect all of God to be infused in us and last for a week. We have to begin to imprint this on our hearts in our homes. God's speaking. Last week, I used this table as an illustration of the fact that as our families have gotten busier and busier and we've had more activities out of the home and out of the church, and please hear me, I'm not against activities out of the church or out of the home. My family plays sports. We take vacations. We have holidays. We have extra things we do. We have hobbies. I'm not saying anything against that, but as we've added more and more to our plates and we become busier and busier, we've taken less time for the table, less time for the family and it's impacting our families in a negative way and we are doing less of Deuteronomy 6 and less of Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're instructing our families, we're training our families, we're raising them up in the ways of the Lord less and less. And I know for years many people have thought it was primarily the church's responsibility to get God in our homes. It was the church's responsibility to teach our children, to teach our families. And I want to tell you, yes, I 
I agree that it is the church's responsibility to come alongside you and to instruct you and to train you, but mom and dad, it is your job. Grandma and grandpa, it is your job. Aunt and uncle, it is your job to impact your family and to lead your family on a day-to-day basis. You can't expect the church to do it by ourselves. And please hear me, it's not a cop-out. I want Destiny Church to do as much as we can to help you, but it is your responsibility to walk it out in the day-to-day. I can't be with you on a Tuesday. I can't be with your kids on a Thursday. Pastor Ed and Pastor Des, they can't be with your kids on a, on a Friday afternoon. It is our responsibility as parents to instruct, to raise, and to train our kids in the ways of the Lord. And I asked this question last week, if we aren't taking time to lead our families around the table, and remember, a table is not a, we're not talking always about a literal table, even as Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11 instruct us, sometimes it's when we're walking down the road, or in our case today, driving down the road in our SUV. Sometimes it's on the way to school. Sometimes it's as we lay our kids to bed. Sometimes it's around a dinner table. Sometimes it's a conversation in a living room. But I wonder if we're not taking time to have those conversations and to spend that time around the table. I wonder, is discipleship happening in our homes? And that's a question I want every one of you to answer today. Is discipleship happening in your home? We could probably pause right there and give an altar call for all of us parents to say, you know what, I need to do a better job of this. Is discipleship happening in your homes? Are you raising your son and your daughter in the ways of the Lord? Are you instructing your son and your daughter what it means to be a man of God or a son of God or a daughter of God? Are you raising them that way? Another way we could possibly look at this and even scarier is this. If we don't grow our kids and teach our kids, someone else will teach them. And I can promise you they're not always teaching what you want them to be taught. So I have this question to you today and I want you to kind of think about this. Who is teaching your kids? And what are they teaching them? Who is teaching your kids and what are they teaching? teaching them. And please hear me, even as I said last week, there's no judgment, no condemnation in my words. The Lord is convicting me of this very same message. The Lord is challenging me and my family and my household. And I know in today's world, it is becoming more and more difficult to grow and to have time. It's, it's becoming more and more difficult. So many extra commitments, so many extracurricular activities, so many sports, so many practices, so many recitals, so many things happening, at, coming at us all the time. I get it. We're all busy. And probably what we need to do is we need to take a day to just talk about our busy schedules. What we probably need to do is we need to probably have a message about Sabbath. And how that is something that we should probably be honoring as families. Because you see, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We probably should talk about that, but that's a different message. But just kind of take that as a nugget. And I know we all could stand up here today and say we're busy, but let me ask this, even if we weren't busy, 
Do we really know how to spend time talking to our family about Jesus? If we weren't busy, do we know how to spend time reading the word to our kids? If we weren't busy, do we know how to pray with them? Or an even another way to question this is, do we even want to? Do we even desire to spend time with our kids and putting the word of God in them? Do we desire that? Do we want to? Or would we rather just kind of veg out? Work in our shop, work on the car, work in the garden, do our own thing, and let everybody else kind of fend for themselves and take and let digital technology raise our family. You see, I wonder has the tablet replaced the table? Has the television replaced the table? And I'm convicted by this and I'm challenged by this today. And last week as we looked at this table, I, I tried, started speaking to you about one of the ways that we can become legacy families. One of the ways that we can become strong biblical families that see the Lord bless generation after generation is spending time in God's word as a family. And I told you that's a major component for building a kingdom atmosphere in your home, God's word. And I told you that God's word, if we consistently study it, read it, if we consistently meditate on it, if we consistently obey it, as Joshua 1 instructs us, as Deuteronomy 6 instructs us, as Deuteronomy chapter 11 instructs us, if we consistently read it, study it, meditate it, and obey it, I believe it can shape your home more than anything else in this world. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us, God has transmitted his very substance into scripture for it is God breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. What's that saying? God's word is the thing that helps us obey and follow God. Then after we've put God's word in us is what it's saying, you will be God's servants fully mature. Everybody say mature. I talked to a pastor friend yesterday who pastors one of the largest churches in the United States of America, and he spoke to me, and he did, we had not talked about anything that the Lord was speaking to us for our churches, and he said, Chad, he said, I just can't get beyond the point that God is saying it's time for my church to grow up. And I said, that's the same thing that God's speaking to me. It's that word mature. God is asking us to mature. How do we mature in our faith? We put God's word in us. And as we put God's word in us, and I can't put God's word in me by coming to church one Sunday morning a, a, a month or listening to an hour service and then going home and then reading whatever book I want and watching whatever Netflix shows I want and never putting the word of God in me. How do I become mature is I put God's word in me. How do my kids become mature? I put God's word in them. I imprint God's word in their heart and in their mind and in their life. And as we do that, he says, then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. You say, Pastor Chad, how do I fulfill my purpose? Get God's word in your heart. Yeah. We getting it? Yeah. We hearing it? And I'll tell you, my heart as your pastor is that every single one of us, my desire is that you desire God's word. 
My, pa- my desire as your pastor is not only to desire God's word, that you have knowledge of God's word and that you have understanding of God's word. And that's why this year we're ending 21 days of prayer and fasting with how to read your Bible. Let's throw that up on the screen. We're doing this master class and we have some of you signed up, but listen to me. I need you guys in this. You need to be in this. This isn't for me. I don't care if one person shows up or a thousand, but if you want to be what God has called you to be, you need to understand the word. So screenshot that. You say, well, Pastor Chad, I can only come Thursday. Well, Thursday's better than Monday, right? So get here for this. I promise you it's going to speak to your heart. I promise you you're going to gain some understanding. That's why we're doing that. And today what I want to do with the rest of the time is I want to talk to you about a very, another very important component for building a kingdom atmosphere in your home, and that is prayer. I want everyone to think about this for just a moment. I have another question for you. And it's not so much a question, but it's a, uh, something for you to consider. If I were to ask you, what are the top 10 most important things to teach your children and your grandchildren? What would you say it is? Let me ask you, would prayer even make your top 10 list? Would prayer, you see, we teach our kids to ride a bike. That's important. We teach our kids to read. That's important. We teach our kid manners. We teach them how to respect a person of the opposite sex. We teach them math. We teach them science. We teach them recital, uh, piano. We teach them guitar. We teach them how to swing a bat. We teach them how to swim. We teach them how to shoot a basket. We teach them how to write. Many things do we teach our kids in our homes, but I wonder, mom and dad, have you ever sat down and said prayer is one of the most important things in our home? Prayer. How many of you could say, and I don't need anybody to raise their hand, this isn't one of those, it's, this is more one of those reflection messages. But how many of you would say, Pastor Chad, we've truly made prayer a priority in our home? Here's what I believe. I believe prayer is easier than you think, but it's more important than you realize. Prayer is easier than you think, but it's more important than you realize. You see, I believe that prayer is the lifeblood of our faith. I believe prayer is the lifeblood of our family. No matter if you're young, no matter if you're old, the importance of prayer in sustaining and strengthening your faith can never be overestimated. We need prayer. We need prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we're told to pray continually. In Romans 12, 12, we're told to be faithful in prayer. Not just sporadically, not just on Sunday mornings when we're going to church, not just when we feel like it, or not just when we really need him. Daily prayer is essential if we're going to know God and his ways. I believe just as much as I need to be in the word, I need to be in prayer. Daily prayer is essential. And some of you say, Pastor Chad, I don't have an hour to set up. I'm not saying set aside an hour. I'm not saying, I'm saying daily prayer throughout the day is essential. I can't just say, okay, God, you've got my first hour and then the next 23 are mine. Daily prayer is essential, and I get it. Praying continually, praying a long time seems impossible, 
But I promise, easier than you think. You see, creating an atmosphere, and this will be on the screen, creating an atmosphere in your home that encourages prayer as normal and consistent will provide you, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, the friends that come over to your house, your kids' friends, prayer that's created as normal and consistent will provide you with some of the most important tools you need for spiritual growth. And that's the goal for us in our faith is to grow spiritually. That's our, grow, our, our goal, to become more like Jesus. Now, let's be honest. In church, we love to talk about prayer, right? We love to talk about prayer. We love to say this line. How many of you have said this one? All right, let's just step on toes a little bit, all right? You ready for this? We love to say things like, I'll pray for you. Somebody texts you, hey, would you pray? I just found out I have cancer. I'll pray for you. And we might in a moment say, God touched them, and then we never think about it again. Or somebody on social media puts something out there, hey, everybody be praying for me. And you can go and look, and person after person, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, do you even have a relationship with Jesus? I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. We like to say that. We like it, we love it when God answers prayer, right? He answered one, that's great. We love that. We love it when somebody comes to us and prays for us when we need it. We love it when somebody puts a hand on our shoulder and we're like, man, somebody's there for me. We love just about everything about prayer, it seems to me, except the discipline of praying. Let me say it again. We love just about everything about prayer except maybe the discipline of praying. Why do I say that? Well, listen to this. A recent study, a recent survey found that 38 percent of Christians pray regularly. In this survey, one of the questions that helped to determine if Christians pray regularly was, do you pray over your meals? I shudder to think, if they remove that question, how many Christians would consider that they pray regularly? 38% of us, so let's just use those numbers though, because they're still startling enough, 38% of us say we pray regularly. You know how many that means? My Nixa math, graduated Nixa, my Nixa math tells me that's 62%. I think that's right. 62% of us aren't praying. That's the majority of this room. And we're wondering, why aren't my kids following in the ways of Jesus. Well, you've taught them to read. You've taught them to write. You've taught them to swing a bat. You've taught them to figure their numbers. You've taught them to balance a checkbook. You've taught them to to drive, but you haven't taught them the lifeblood of the faith. Are we getting this? 62% of us aren't praying. If you say, well, Pastor Chad, I'm not sure. Let's just, let's just do a little test. Maybe this will help you kind of understand where your prayer life is. Let's just do this. I want you to think about this. Compare the time that you spend complaining, griping, and playing the woe is me game to the time you spend talking to God about your problems. If you look at me today and say, Pastor Chad, I probably spend more time complaining than I do praying, then you might be in that 62%. Or another way to look at this, compare the time you spend talking to people 
about other people. It's called gossip. Compare the time you spend talking to people about other people to the time you spend talking to God, praying for other people. Let's admit, let's be honest, prayer is an area that many of us struggle. And we need to get better. All of us need to get better. All of us, myself included, you included, prayer warrior, you included. All of us need to get better at prayer, a lot better at prayer. Oswald Chambers says this, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Please hear me today. While prayer is sometimes the only thing we can do, prayer is always the best thing we can do. Pray first. So today I'll make a challenge to you. Don't make prayer your family's last response or last resort. Make prayer your family's first line of defense. Create an atmosphere in your home where you pray first. And to create an atmosphere in your home where you pray first, the most effective thing you can do in your home is pray first. How do I create an atmosphere of prayer in my home? Pray Often, not just on Sundays, not just when you need it, and not just on your own in your private prayer closet. Listen to me. I love a prayer closet. I'm not speaking against a prayer closet. I love my own personal prayer times. But I am not teaching my family to pray if I go and sit in a closet all by myself. Pray not just on your own, but pray for your family and pray with your family. And to make this as practical as I can today, I want to give you a scripture that you can pray for your family every day. Some of you say, well, my kids aren't at home. Listen to me. I have two that aren't at home, and I pray this way for them every day. They don't have to be in my home. They can be 30. They can be 47. I still hope my parents pray for me daily. So I'm going to give you a scripture that you can pray for your family every day, and then I'm going to close by giving you a quick practical application on what you can do and how to pray with your family. All right, let's look at it. Luke 2.52 says this, Jesus grew both in body and in wisdom, gaining favor with God and with people. Pastor Ed, how can I use this as a prayer scripture? This verse gives us four areas of development we can pray over our kids every single day. Four areas of development. Let's break it down into four segments. Number one, Jesus grew in body. As parents, I want to encourage you every single day, pray for your kids' physical growth. Pray for this. Pray Psalm 91 over your kids. Psalm, 190, Psalm 91, 1 through 4. We live in the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the hand of God who is above all gods. This I declare that he alone, let's use one of my kids' names. This is what I would do. This I declare that he alone is Mariah's refuge. He is Makai's place of safety. He is Maddox's God, and Maddox is trusting in him, for he rescues Malak from every trap and protects Makai from every fatal plague. He will shield Mariah with his wings. He will shelter Maddox. He will be a faithful, he faithful promises are your armor. What's that saying? I pray this over my kids. Pray for their physical safety. Pray for good health so that your kids can become all that God has called them to be. Pray and ask Jesus to be a blood, a protecting of his blood 
around them. In 23 plus years as a parent, I've experienced every single stage you can imagine. Boo-boos that weren't even there. I've prayed for them and put band-aids on them. The flu, infections, sports injuries, bloody noses, broken bones, driving a car for the first time. And Lord, please, every parent needs mercy for that one, right? How many of you parents are thankful for Life 360? Amen. You can stalk your kids and they don't even know it. COVID scares, getting married and moving away. Going to college and moving away, I'll tell you, I pray for my kids probably more today physically than when they were babies. So I'm not just speaking to what somebody in the room says, well, my kids are grown. They need your prayer. Pray. Pray daily. Lord, protect them. Keep them from all harm. Be a shield around them. Protect their home. Protect their car. Protect their body. Protect their mind. Pray for your kids physically every day. Second thing I see is Jesus grew in wisdom. I encourage you, just as much as you pray for their physical growth, pray for wisdom. And Lord knows, sometimes praying for wisdom is going to keep them physically safe. Right? Give him wisdom to not drive like that. Wisdom. Pray that your kids grow in factual wisdom. But don't just pray for factual wisdom that makes them smart in school or smart in life. Don't just pray for wisdom that keeps them from doing stupid things. And Lord knows some of us have some kids that do stupider things than others, right? And we need to pray a little more wisdom for that one. Lord, give him a little more wisdom, right? But also, more importantly, pray that your kids become teachable. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Pray that your kids will have hearts and minds that are open to God's word. Pray that your kids have wisdom to discern right from wrong. Proverbs 5, 1 and 2 says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. What am I saying? Pray for wisdom to not only apply like just life knowledge, but to apply spiritual truth to the practical issues of their daily lives. Pray that they have wisdom. Well, how are they going to know the ways of the Lord if you're not putting the ways of the Lord in them? How can they have wisdom to discern what's right and wrong unless we pour what's right and wrong in them? But we do that by instructing them with God's word and with prayer. Third thing I see from the scripture that we can pray for our kids. Number one, we're praying for physical safety. Number two, we're praying for wisdom. Number three, Jesus grew in favor with God. Pray that they grow in favor with God. Growing in favor with God means growing spiritually. One of the verses I'm praying for my family, one of the verses I'm praying for each of you, one of the verses I'm praying for my church. My pastor friend I spoke to yesterday, him and I were talking and I gave him this verse. He said, man, I had never seen that verse. He says, I'm using that verse in my church this year. But it says this, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, be joyful, grow to maturity. Everybody say maturity. You know what this means right here? Become what you should become. And that's what I'm praying for you this year, that you become what you should become spiritually, that we gain favor with God, that we grow spiritually. This is one of my number one prayers for Destiny Church, for me, for my wife, for my family this year. I encourage you, pray every single day that your children grow in favor with God. Pray that they grow spiritually. More than anything else, pray that they grow spiritually. 
Ask the Lord to give your hearts that are always tender before him. Pray that your kids know him, walk with him, and serving him will be their greatest desire. Pray that cr- true Christ-likeness will be developed in your children. But mom and dad, don't only pray that true Christ-likeness will be developed in your children. Pray that true Christ-likeness will be developed in you. Because listen to me, how can you lead your kids somewhere you haven't already been? We want our kids to grow and be like Jesus. Well, mom and dad, guess who they're following? Some of them might take some of my example or some of Pastor Ed's or Pastor Jason's or Pastor Tasha's example. They might take some of that. But my kids are shaped into the man and woman they are today because of their parents. So don't only pray that your kids grow spiritually, pray that you grow spiritually so you can take your kids on a journey. We getting this? And then number four, pray favor with man. That's what Jesus grew in favor with God and with people. Growing in favor with man is social growth. And these two things, favor with God and favor with man, they are really our primary callings in life. So they are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Genesis 39, two and four says this, the Lord was, was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, this is favor with God, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, listen to what it says here, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. What's this? This is favor with man. On the seats in front of you that you're in today, I put some scripture, I put some prayer models there. It's the prayer of Jabez and the Lord's prayer. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, we see Jabez pray this prayer. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. What's he saying? He's asking for favor with man and with God in that statement. It's really a prayer of influence. It's a prayer of social growth. I want you to pray this over your kids. Lord, give my kids favor. Lord, give my kids influence. Lord, help their their friends and the people they come in contact with see you in their lives. Again, this doesn't just have to be something I pray for my nine-year-old. I'm praying this for my 23-year-old daughter and her husband. Lord, everybody they come in contact with, let them see you. Lord, help my kids be someone who knows how to be a true friend. Lord, Lord, help my kids become somebody that follows you without compromising their values. Raise up my kids to be a positive influence that will impact the lives of the people around them. Lord, give my kids a heart for people in need. Lord, Lord, make my kids compassionate. Lord, make my kids generous. Lord, help my kids gain favor with not only you, but with man. Even when my kids are young, I've prayed for every single one of them. Lord, give them the mate. Lord, prepare that little girl at eight years old. Begin to prepare her heart now for when Malik becomes a young man. Lord, prepare that girl now for Makai. Lord, prepare that girl now for Maddox. We prayed for Cody as he came into our family and our daughter found a godly man who loves God with all his heart. Begin even now praying for your kids to gain favor with people. Begin to pray that over your kids. And these four areas of development, you can take them and you can pray them every single day. Lord, protect my kids physically. You can do it when you're driving down the road. You can, Lord, protect them physically today. Lord, give them wisdom today as they make some choices. Lord, they're going out into this world. Give them wisdom. Lord, I pray that my kids grow spiritually today. Lord, I pray that my kids grow in favor with you today. Lord, I pray that my kids grow in favor with their friendships today. Lord, let them be, you can pray this every day, but don't just pray only pray for your kids, pray with your kids. And I want to close up with this. 
In your seats, as I said, I gave you some prayers. You can pray those. I'm not going to speak over those or anything like that. I want you to take those home. But we're also, in the coming weeks, we're putting resources on our webpage as a church to where you can go and you need a prayer of blessing on your, over your home, you can get that. You need a prayer of safety over your home, you can get that. We're going to put this there because we want to put tools in your hand that help you become the families that God's calling you to become. But what I want to do today as I close is I want to give you a real simple way to pray with your kids, all right? Um, take notes on this, real simple way. There's multiple ways we can pray with our kids, but one of them I want to give you is just a prayer of faith. And a prayer of faith, we think that sometimes is a prayer of salvation, or we think of James chapter five. I'm not necessarily, that's not what I'm speaking about today. I'm talking about praying something like Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24 that says this. In reply, Jesus said to his disciples, if you only have faith in God, let this, this is the absolute truth. You can say to this Mount of Olives, rise up and fall into the Mediterranean and your command will be obeyed. All that's required is that you really believe and have no doubt. Listen to me, you can pray for anything and if you believe, you can have it, it's yours. What am I saying here? With this scripture, what you're doing is you're reading scripture to your kids, teach this to your kids, and then say, okay, hey, here's something as a parent. So I'm just giving you some practical ways. As a parent, you can say, okay, hey, here's something I'm praying for and believing for. Can we pray for this as a family and write that down? Like for me, I'm praying, I'm praying for my wife's back. And so I can tell Malik, hey, I'm praying for mama's back. Hey, Malik, is there anything you're praying for? Is there anything you're believing for? Yeah, dad, I'm believing I've got a test tomorrow. I need to do good in there. All right, let's write that down. And then what I want to encourage you to do, and we haven't even done this in our home, but this is something I was just like, I started thinking about this week and I thought, man, we need to have a prayer wall in our homes. A spot where our family knows that this is where prayer requests go. And then we write those down. Okay, Malik, let's pray over this. And then we pray over that and then we take those prayer requests and we put them on our prayer wall. And then you can say, okay, Malik, now let's stop and let's listen. Let's listen to what God might say to us. 30 seconds a minute. What am I doing here is I'm just teaching my kids how to pray. I'm building their faith. Bring your request to the Lord. Now let's listen to the Lord. When we've done listening, okay, did the Lord say anything to you? Yeah, to me, he spoke this. All right, let's write that down. And let's put that on our prayer wall. And then let's pray over those things that the Lord spoke to us again. What am I doing? I'm teaching our kids to pray. And then the final thing with this prayer wall that you can do in your homes, you can say, okay, let's put this all on the wall. And now when the Lord comes back and says, hey, mama's back's healed, let's write that down. And let's go put that on the wall. What have we done? We've prayed. We've listened, we've testified, we've built our faith using scripture. Scripture tells us our faith is increased by hearing the word of God. So today, what am I saying to you? The bottom line is this, pray. Pray first, pray often, pray always. If you're sick, pray. If you're healthy, pray. If your home's good, pray. If your home's in chaos, pray. Pray first, pray often, pray always. Let's do that today. Father, I just come to you in these next few moments, and I just ask you to do something just kind of in this room, something special. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for their lives. They're being touched, and the lives are being changed. We just ask you in these next few moments today, Jesus, would you do something in somebody's life that needs you? We thank you, Jesus. Ask you to move and ask you to minister. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.